Listen to the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll begin at verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That we, may gain, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I invite you to bow your heads as I pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come to you to hear your word, we ask that your spirit would apply it to our lives, even as this passage teaches that that he is the one who will instruct us, bring us to understanding. Lord, we are a people who need your mercy and grace, and so I ask that you would make yourself known. Lord, for those who who are here with excitement, with, with eagerness for the work you are doing in their lives, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them. For those who come with, with sorrow and sadness, that you would comfort. Father in heaven, for those who come with doubts, that you would let them see the truth by the power of your Spirit as the, the word of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. Father in heaven, we come because we need to know the message, the message of of Jesus, our Savior. And so we pray in his name. Amen. Maggie's sons found her dancing in the street. She was celebrating five years of trying to reach the space station via her amateur ham radio. For five years, every morning, she worked hard to, to adjust the dials in hopes that that when the mere Russian space station passed over, she would make contact. And early that morning, she finally succeeded. The call only lasted a few minutes because it only lasts in the time that the, the, the space station is directly overhead of your house. And actually, a few years later, she would, she would make history by becoming the first amateur to ever send a computer-to-computer signal from Earth to space, such that she was invited by NASA to come and give a lecture. But on this morning her, was a morning for her of celebration. Her, her sons find her dancing in the streets because she finally heard that voice answer back from space. She finally received the message she'd been waiting for. And so describing her excitement, she said, I just wanted to communicate. She wanted to hear a voice from the heavens. She wanted to connect to something, to someone bigger than herself. Now, for us, Maggie's joy may feel misplaced. You may not have much interest in in talking in Russian to somebody in a space station. And so screaming in the streets may sound like too much, but, but maybe Maggie actually understands something central about what it means to be human. Maybe her desire to hear a voice from the heavens is actually what each of us needs. Not the staticky voice of a Russian cosmonaut, but the voice of God. 
the voice of God's Spirit. See, the church in Corinth, the, the Corinthian believers, they, they longed to hear from God, and then some of them actually claimed a, a special spiritual status. They exalted themselves as more spiritual than the rest of the church. And so Paul corrects the Corinthians to help them understand that, that to use the word spiritual in a biblical sense means you're speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so he's, he's correcting them, he's instructing them, but he's, but he's also teaching us how we can actually gain access to the deepest truths of the universe, the deep things of God. We only gain access through the Spirit of God who speaks to us. We need the Spirit to know that, that we have the salvation that is offered to us in the gospel. So let's look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we, as we walk through this passage this morning. We, we see right away in verse 10 that it is the Spirit who reveals to us the truth of God. Verse 10, Paul is just, in, in the, the verses we looked at last week, we saw that, that there is no way for us to gain knowledge of God's secret wisdom unless God chooses to make itself known. But then look at the good news of verse 10. God has revealed his truth to us by his Spirit. See, there's no other way for us to understand who we really are and who God is and how we are made right with God except by the ministry of his Holy Spirit. There's no journey we can take, no pilgrimage, no religious ritual you can go through that will uncover these secrets. There's no signal you can bounce from earth to heaven to gain access. We need God to make himself known. We need God, the Spirit, to speak to us. Because the truths of God are undiscoverable by our own human reason. The Spirit alone is the source of revelation. He's the one who throws back the curtain so we can see the, the truth of what God has done for us in Christ. And then Paul, having made this statement, then in verses, the rest of verse 10 and verse 11, describes how, how well, this, this actually makes sense. I mean, just using the analogy of, of your own spirit, that immaterial part of you that understands who you really are at the deepest level, he says that the spirit is the one who searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. See, if you want to understand the deep things of God, then you need God's spirit to make it known to you. Only the spirit, God himself, the third person of the, the Trinity, only the spirit reveals to us the plan of God the Father that is made clear to us in the work of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Only through the Spirit do we have access to the deep truths of God. So the Spirit reveals. But as we continue in the passage, we also notice that it's the Spirit who then teaches us what we need to understand about this message that is revealed. Look at the way the verse, verse 12 describes the ministry of the Spirit. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So we're, we are given the Spirit so that we can understand. Verse 13 will, will, will tell us that it is the Spirit who teaches us. We are taught in the words taught to us by the Spirit. For without the Spirit, verse 14 makes clear, we cannot understand these truths. So, so the Spirit reveals, but the Spirit also teaches and applies this truth to us so that we can actually understand because it, it, it wouldn't be enough for, for the message to come to us from heaven unless it were one that we could actually comprehend. 
Thus, were spoken to us in a way that, that made sense to us, unless our hearts were changed and transformed. Because the contrast that, that Paul has set up in, this, in these chapters between the, the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God is a contrast that he, that he draws out again in these verses. Look at, look at the contrast that's there in verse 12. The contrast between the spirit of the world and the spirit who is from God. Now, in in, in the languages of, of Scripture, both the, the Greek of the New Testament, but, but even drawing from the Hebrew of the Old Testament, that, that word spirit covers a lot of the broad territory that, that our word does. And so in this passage, we see the word spirit or spiritual or spiritually, in both the, the noun and the, the adjective and the adverb, describing for us the, this broad sense of, of what it means to, to live life in the spirit. And so so Paul is, is striving here to, to set the contrast so that the Corinthians will actually understand what he's saying. See, many of them would have said things like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, meaning I'm better than you, or I'm smarter than you, or I understand things more than you do. I'm a spiritual person. But Paul is saying, no, if you, if you speak that way, you, you're actually misunderstanding because the contrast is either between the spirit of this world or the spirit with a capital S, the Holy Spirit who is from God. And so if you as a Christian claim to be spiritual, the only way you gain, you, the only way in which you are spiritual is if you are spiritual in the, the capital S kind of way. Now, we don't use a capital letter here because it's not how we, how we use English grammar. But, but really, you could go through in this passage and, and make every time it, 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 Paul speaks of a spiritual truth or spiritual words, you could capitalize those letters. Because it would remind us that, that that spiritual only comes from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is, is telling the Corinthians, if you claim to be spiritual, but you use it a, a, as, a, as a sense of pride or arrogance... As in, as in, I'm more spiritual than you, then you don't understand what the word means. Because to say, I'm more spiritual than you, is nonsense. It's a gift given by the Holy Spirit of God. And so, yes, we as believers, those who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we, we can understand the spiritual truths spoken to us in spiritual words, but we only understand them because they come from the Spirit himself. And so there's no place for pride in saying, well, I'm more spiritual than you. No, it's a gift given by the Spirit, and it's the Spirit himself who will teach us. Now, now we might not use the, the word spiritual in quite that same way. We might not, like the Corinthians, exalt ourselves as being more spiritual than someone. But you've heard this kind of phrase, or maybe even use it yourself, well, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really religious. I'm, I'm spiritual, but, but, you know, all of that, like, religion stuff and all of those doctrines and all those teachings and those beliefs, well, you know, I don't, I don't really deal with those, but I'm a, but I'm a spiritual person. Well, what Paul, is, what Paul would say is, okay, you can use that word like, like he does in verse 12, but that means you have the spirit of the world. You are not spiritual in the sense of, receiving the gift that comes from the Holy Spirit with a capital S. And see, when we use that word in our culture, when we use that, that phrase to say, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, we, we, we usually use it to mean, well, I, I'm more open-minded than somebody who's spiritual with a capital S. 
You know, one of those narrow-minded people who, who would say something like, well, Jesus is the only way to be saved. And only if you have the gift that is given by the Holy Spirit can you really be a Christian. So when I say I'm spiritual but not religious, well, I'm more open to, to influences from all over the world, from the, the great truths that all humans have discovered. But actually, to, to claim to be spiritual but not religious is, is to make the same kind of big claims that somebody who says I'm spiritual with a capital S, a Christian would say. Because you're saying, when you say I'm spiritual but not religious, well, that Christian truth is wrong. That exclusive claim just can't be right. Because you're saying, I, I want to accept everyone and everything. And so if you, like a Christian, say that, it, that it's only through Christ, well, then I can't accept that. See, and, and what Paul would actually, what, what he would argue with us, as, as open-minded people who, who hear the wisdom of the world, he would say, well, you're just like the church in Corinth. The greatest philosophers and religious leaders of the day make their pilgrimages and their trips through this city. Actually, that was one of the ways that, that Paul supported his own ministry, by making tents in order to sell to pilgrims. I mean, he was a tent maker by profession. Well, the reason that he could stay in Corinth so long is because so many people came through Corinth and needed temporary housing. So let's go down to the, the road and buy a tent from, from Paul or from, a, uh, from the, the others who sell them. And so Paul says, if you want to be somebody who listens to the greatest truths of the world but never makes a decision, who just sort of acts as if I'm a spiritual sponge who will, who will suck up any, any truth that's out there without discerning between them, well, then you're really not being discerning in any way. You are, because you actually have to decide between these truths. The contrast here is between the, the spirit of the world and the spirit who is from God. The only way to accept the message of the gospel it's to humble yourself, to admit that, that you could not figure this out, that you need the Spirit to reveal it to you, that you need the Spirit to teach you. But Paul, Paul goes further in this passage. Not only does the Spirit make, make known to us the truth of God and, and help us understand it, but the Spirit then assures us that we really belong to God. Look at, the again, this contrast that, that we've seen throughout these chapters. Look at verse 14. He, Paul sets a contrast between the, the man who is without the Spirit and the man who is spiritual. Now, it, translators really struggle in, in English to capture this because the word there, the man without the Spirit, is one word. The man without the Spirit. And, and it, 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 it's, it, it, the, this is a good translation because it actually sets the contrast between someone who is spiritual with a capital S, somebody who has received the truth of the gospel, and then someone who's not. That's what the contrast is. Either you are spiritual or you're not. Because either you have the Spirit who is from God or you, or you don't. And so many of us, as, as those who would, who would claim to, to follow Christ, who would claim to have the Spirit of God, well, we feel the way verse 14 describes the situation. Look again there with me. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Did you notice again the word which we've seen repeatedly in these opening chapters? How is the gospel described by someone without the Spirit? As 
foolishness, as nonsense, as unbelievable, and and actually worse than unbelievable, as stupid. You believe that message? And see, as as Christians or as a church, we we can sort of feel the, the pinch of being labeled as fools. Like the Corinthians, we we live in a culture that that doesn't accept revelation which comes from God, that doesn't accept the message of the gospel. And so we feel that label. We feel the, the culture pushing us to the side and saying, well, you foolish Christians, you would believe a message like that. And so Paul recognizing that then actually shows us that that it's the Spirit who gives us assurance that the message we have is not foolishness, but it's true. It's the Spirit who gives us assurance that we really belong to God. Because look look at what Paul does in verse 15. We've just met in verse 14, the man without the Spirit, and now in verse 15, the contrast, the spiritual man. So the man without the Spirit, now the spiritual man, the, the, the Christian, he says, makes judgments about all things. Meaning the spiritual man, the Christian, actually can understand the deepest truths of the universe. Why? Not because he's smarter than the the unspiritual man. But because, remember, the Spirit made it known to him. The Spirit helped him understand. And so then in in verse, so the, the spiritual man, the Christian, makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now, at, at first reading, one might think, oh, well, that just means every man can decide to do whatever he wants. Every person decides, and, and so you're never under anyone else's authority. Well, no, I mean, particularly today, in a day when we were reminded by having the leaders of the church stand up here, and we, are, we promised, well, first, they promised subjection to one another, and then we promised to, to humble ourselves before them. We, we actually expect within the church that at times, judgment will have to be brought on us by our fellow Christians. And if you just flip a couple chapters, you'll see Paul start to do that in chapter 5, where he tells the church, you need to get rid of the one who continues to sin without repenting. And so Paul doesn't mean that that, that we're not subject to, to anyone in the whole universe's judgment. What he's saying, though, is the spiritual man is not subject to the judgment of the unspiritual man. Meaning, you don't have to accept the label of being foolish. You understand why the the unspiritual man would label you as as foolish? Because you understand that the gospel is, it it, it turns everything upside down, but but you don't have to accept that label because it's the Spirit who assures you that you really belong to Christ. It's the Spirit who has given you insight into the truth of the gospel. And so so as a church, this should actually give us confidence. Confidence not not to look down on the unspiritual man and say, well, you think I'm foolish, but I know the truth. No, the, the confidence where we can go to the one who, who doesn't have the Spirit and say, I understand what it's like to, to be where you are. I mean, that, that's the way I used to think and live. Or, or I understand that the only way to, to believe this is to, to humble yourself and have God make it known to you. But it means we don't, we don't need to worry about the, the, the judgment that the world brings on us. Church, you should expect people to think you are foolish. Because according to the spirit of the world, according to the standards of the world, according to the world's wisdom, you are foolish. By their criteria, you are foolish. But remember, they have the wrong system of judgment. And sadly, there is coming a day of judgment when their foolishness will be exposed. And so we as a church have the privilege to make the glory of the gospel known. See, we're not subject to the, 
the, the pointing fingers that the world aims at us. But we are privileged to, to take the gospel message to them. And then Paul will, will end this, this discussion here in, in verse 16 with a quote from the Old Testament, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It's a reminder that, that only the Spirit can teach us that we must humble ourselves before God. And then this beautiful affirmation at the end, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, if, 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 if we wanted to go back and help Paul with his concluding sentence, we'd probably change this last sentence. Because what's been the word that we've heard repeatedly throughout this passage? Spirit, spiritual, spiritually. And now suddenly, Paul, you're going to, to change that out and tell us that we have the mind of Christ? See, Paul, if you really wanted to wrap this up nicely and get an A on your, on your essay here, then you should say, but we have the mind of the Spirit. But, but theologically, that's how we know the mind of Christ, by the Spirit. It's, it's almost as if the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of Christ are, are interchangeable in the sense of, of when it's applied to us. Yes, the Spirit did not die on the cross for us. Christ did. But when you come to understand the work of Christ on the cross, you come to understand it through the ministry of the Spirit. And even as, even as, as Christians, we, we sometimes struggle with, well, how, do I, how do I have a relationship with God the Spirit? How do I know the, the ministry of the Spirit? You know the ministry of the Spirit because you understand the gospel, the work of Jesus. And so if you, if you feel a devotion for Christ, if you feel thankfulness for the death of Christ, then it's through the Spirit that that has happened. See, this is where Paul's argument comes, comes really full circle. Paul is teaching us here about the ministry of the Spirit. It's the first time, really, he's introduced it in this, in this book. It'll come up again in, in chapters near the end of the book. But he ties it back to the ministry of Christ. Because what is the, the gospel message that, that Paul is proclaiming? It's what we saw back in verse 2 of chapter 2, where Paul says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ, and him crucified. How does Paul know Jesus Christ and him crucified? Because the Spirit has revealed it to him. The Spirit has taught him that truth. The Spirit assures him that the work of Christ is for his benefit. Or in verse 8, where, where Paul says that, that the rulers of this age, they could not understand the gospel message. For if they had, this is verse 8, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the assurance we have that comes to us through the Spirit is based on the work of Christ. Jesus Christ who was crucified for us. And so Paul is, is really challenging the Corinthians. Do you want to call yourself spiritual? Well, then the only way you can do so is with humility. Never can, be that, never can that be a, a term of, of arrogant pride. Because to be spiritual means you are someone who has received a gift from the Spirit. Not somebody who climbed to the top of the mountain and, and won the race to, toward, toward, toward exalting yourself as spiritual. No, it's, it's a posture of humility. But if you want to be spiritual, then you can never div divorce the work of the Spirit from the ministry of Christ. If you want to claim that, that title of spiritual, then it means you humble yourself and you trust in the work of Christ. So that's the good news that, that Paul offers the church in Corinth. 
To be spiritual isn't to be the smartest person in the room. It's not to be the, 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 the most moral person in the room. To be spiritual just means that you've humbled yourself. You've seen the death of Christ, the Lord of glory who died on the cross in your place, and you've received that gift by faith. But even, even in humility, you recognize that, that that faith was a gift given you by the Spirit. You are simply the, the, the humble recipient of God's grace and mercy. We can't know the gospel without the Spirit making it known to us. It's in the message of Jesus Christ crucified that we find our rescue, that we find our hope. The Spirit reveals to us the message of this gospel. The Spirit teaches us to humble ourselves, to believe in Christ. It's the Spirit who speaks to us the message of the gospel. John Yates was preparing for his presentation at the Pentagon on the morning of September 11th, 2001. His wife had called with an update about the terrorist attacks in New York City. And as they hung up, she asked him to, why don't you work from under your desk the rest of the day? At 9.37 a.m., the plane hit the Pentagon, demolishing much of the building around Yates. This is what he says. There was no noise. I mean, I did not hear the plane. Just suddenly the room exploded and I was blown through the air. A ball of fire came from behind me and over my head and the room went instantly dark. There was thick, black, choking smoke down almost to the floor. Yates had been blown 25 or 30 feet, but he he scrambled in the smoke to begin to help his co-workers. The first door that they tried to, to escape from this burning room was locked. He says, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know which way to go. Suddenly, I heard a voice and, that said to me, go out this door. It's clear down there. A voice calling to him in the darkness that says, go out this door. Y- Yates says to this day, I don't know whose voice that was. I don't know who hollered to me. I, maybe, maybe it was a guardian angel. He says, I just started crawling toward this voice. The voice led him through the door to safety. Yates was hailed as a hero for for bringing his co-workers out. But he replies, people have called me an American hero. I'm not. I'm an ordinary guy who was thrust into an extraordinary situation. And he concludes, it is by God's grace that I'm standing here today to share this story. Without the voice in the chaos, directing him to the only viable exit, he knows he wouldn't have made it. There is a voice calling to you. A voice calling to you in the midst of your sin, the chaos of your rebellion against God. A voice who says there is an exit through the death of our crucified Savior. It's the voice of the Spirit of God. Paul tells us who the voice is. It's the Spirit who reveals to us the truth, the Spirit who helps us understand, the Spirit who assures us that the gospel is for us. Will you crawl toward that voice? The voice of the Spirit who proclaims to us the rescue that comes through Jesus, our crucified Savior. Let me pray for us.
Father in heaven, in the midst of our sorrow and sadness, in the midst of the, the darkness of our lives and our brokenness, we, we need a, a voice that, that speaks to us with clarity. And yet, Father, we admit that, that even when we hear the truth of your gospel, we, we can be people who, who arrogantly exalt ourselves. So, Father in heaven, help us by the, the power of your spirit to exalt Jesus Christ, our crucified Savior. Help us to exalt him as the Lord of glory. Lord, let us as a church be excited and bold and fervent about proclaiming this gospel message. Father in heaven, I pray that, it, that even as we conclude this service, that if there are those in our midst who, who do not yet have the Spirit, who have not yet put their trust in Jesus, our crucified Savior, Lord, that you would give them the truth of the gospel, that your Spirit would reveal it to them, that your Spirit would make it known, your Spirit would, would give them the faith to believe. Lord, let them hear the voice of your Spirit. Let them respond to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Rescuer. Father, we pray in his name. Amen.